We are happy for the Miami Heat because their jerseys have the drip. I mean, it's tough losing to a team that doesn't have a name. Because uh, I'll tell you right now, hand to the Bible, I'm not taking a tight end in the first round. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Expansion Buddies podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, as always, Justin Wright, and I am joined by my steadfast, rock-solid co-host, Jared Miller. Another new uh, descriptor. I like it, Justin. What's up, guys? I'm here again. Uh, As Justin said, he's one of the co-hosts. I am the other one. I do believe that's what co-implies in co-host. Yes. And uh, also, I guess for this episode only, we are co-co-hosted with my roommate and Justin's brother, Zach Wright. Hi, guys. Nice to be here. I'm glad that I could finally be on and hopefully be able to talk some shop with you. Yeah, so we have Zach on because he is a big fan of well, as he likes to put it, a very storied franchise in the NFL. <laughs> you better believe it. Zach, why don't you just uh, tell us what that franchise is and why you're a fan of them? Well, if you don't already know, it should be pretty obvious. That story franchise is the Green Bay Packers, America's real team. Uh, <laughs> they've been around for 101 <laughs> years, as we all know. The Cowboys and the Patriots have only been around for 60. <laughs> and last I checked, 101 is bigger than 60. How it, how I personally came to love the Packers, uh, much like Justin, grew up in Washington. You'd think I'd be a Seahawks fan like Jared. Uh, but moving to Montana, it's... Uh, didn't really have a lot of option for professional sports teams ended up inheriting a green bay packers sweatshirt when i was in middle school and you know i never followed football before then but that sweatshirt just kind of followed me and you know aaron Rodgers has a great smile really just combination of both just wins you over uh yeah for any of our listeners out there who don't know much about zach A person's smile has a lot to do with how he makes his decisions. And when we had one of our first fantasy football drafts, Zach drafted players almost purely based on how good he thought their smile was in their profile picture. Yep. How'd your team do that year? I ended up going to the playoffs that year. (laughs) It goes to show there's no rhyme or reason to fantasy people. I think Tyrod Taylor was your quarterback quarterback wasn't he no it was the man the myth the legend aaron Rodgers, the goat oh i see i see i remember one time you said because jared when when he used to work at his sports store they had a brett Favre jersey in, and he was trying to get you to buy it and you were very staunchly like not my quarterback he's not he's not the quarterback that drew me into the franchise that was all aaron Rodgers. And personally, I feel a little bit betrayed by Brett Favre's uh, bouncing around at the end of his career and trying to still be the uh, Packers franchise quarterback. But, you know, he betrayed us, went to the Vikings for a little bit. And I mean, you're forgetting about his one amazing year with the Jets. Uh, yes, the Jets, the real tour de force <laughs> of the NFL. <laughs> yeah. 
Oh gosh, can we talk about the Jets for a moment? Actually, uh, we'll we, yeah, let's get that out of the way. I guess is it a eulogy? <laughs> I, I wish. So the Jets, who everybody assumed were going to fire their head coach Adam Gase, which they should have fired their head coach Adam Gase, instead released their running back Le'Veon Bell. Yep, it's very clear that Adam Gase hasn't clicked nor does he like Le'Veon Bell because his use in Adam Gase's scheme has been laughable Le'Veon Bell has showed that he makes great moves when he is given space to run and Adam Gase the majority of the time had him running straight up the gut doing dive plays um I saw a stat that after Le'Veon Bell went out during one of the the Jets last games and they subbed in Frank Gore, their yards per carry was the same. Their average yards per carry. No offense to Frank Gore. He's a great running back, but Le'Veon Bell should be able to pick up more average yards than Frank Gore. Yeah. And what surprised me about it when I saw the news on Tuesday night was the fact that they couldn't even get, like they said that they tried to get a trade for him and there was no takers anywhere. So the, the, the next best option was just releasing him, which I find just shocking. Yeah, that, that was shocking to me that, honestly, there was no takers. And I feel there's there's definitely a couple teams out there that uh, should have definitely made use of uh, that offer. The Jets are just in full tank mode right now, it feels like. And then the fact that they've doubled down on having, I guess, faith, you would call it, in Adam Gase or not firing him yet. I don't know what that's about. The fact that of Bill O'Brien, Dan Quinn, and him, that he's the last one with a job still is mind-boggling to me. Mm -hmm. But I don't know. Uh, The Jets, I think, could be on pace with the Browns of a few years ago to go 0-16 or the 2008 Lions. Uh, you know, a lot of people think they're still going to pull out a couple weird wins this season. I don't see it. Honestly, I would not be shocked at all if they don't win a single game this year. Yeah. I can't imagine what Jets fans are feeling right now. The because, same thing they felt for a while. That's true. But, like, they had hope there for a little bit. Sam Darnold came in. He was a a good ray of sunshine on a generally gloomy franchise they had you know jamal adams a great a great piece of secondary or defensive equipment to help put together a good defense and they are just hissing it away and uh speaking of jamal adams he's taken some subtle or not so subtle shots at the jets on twitter I think after the Seahawks won this last game against the Vikings, or maybe it was the week before against Miami, he tweeted out, is this what having fun feels like? (laughs) And so, yeah, uh, he clearly is not sad to be out of that organization. I bet wherever Le'Veon Bell ends up, uh, who knows, but I bet he's not super heartbroken either. And it just makes me sad for guys like Sam Darnold and Jamison Crowder, like, talented guys who are going to have their careers ruined by the horridness that is the Jets. I also read, fun fact, unless you're listening from New York, this is the first time ever that both the Jets and Giants have started this season 0-5. 
So between hmm. the two New York teams, there's not one win. That's a big yikes. All right. So Heaven. what is – oh, I was going to ask where everybody thought Le'Veon would end up. Um, That's a good question. And honestly, right now, like, I don't know. A weird team that comes to mind for me maybe is Arizona. But mm, – No, nah, I, I don't – I don't agree personally because they've got Kenyon Drake and he's been playing pretty darn well. Yeah, I don't know. Honestly, I would have to think about that more. I mean, the biggest thing that comes to mind for me at least is how much is he worth and what team can afford him right now and how long would they pick him up for? Well, if he if he decides to keep playing, he could just decide to follow his rap career, quote unquote. True. Um I could I could kind of see him potentially going. Well, I shouldn't say I see him potentially going there. I see the Texans potentially trying to uh, pick him up. I could say. I, can I give a guess on where I don't think he's going to go? The Chiefs. The Pittsburgh. <laughs> I yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, or the Chiefs. Uh, I yeah. I don't know. That's a good question and I honestly don't have a really solid answer to that right now. The one potential that I see is potentially the Rams, since they've lost Todd Gurley recently. I just feel like they could probably uh, rely a little bit more on the running game. Yeah, the Rams, yeah, maybe. I don't know. Uh, what a another wild chapter in that saga. Uh, have we beaten the Jets train to death yet? We could probably beat a little. I'm just kidding. Let's, yeah. <laughs> Let's move on. I know you guys are probably itching to talk about the big Tampa Bay Green Bay matchup. Do you want to do that now or do you want to save that toward the end? Let's go ahead and talk about it now. All right. Before we do, I have a little surprise I want to drop on you guys. Okay. I came up with a little game I want to play. We're going to call it Battle of the Bays because. We've got the two bays playing each other this week. Is it in Green Bay or is it in Tampa Bay? It's in Tampa Bay. Ooh. All right. Um, I looked up some very arbitrary out there in left field NFL records that each of your teams holds. And I'm going to say what the record is, and I want you to guess whose team has that record. Sound good? Okay. All right. We'll start with – we'll start from the top here. This team currently holds the record for the youngest player to ever start in a Super Bowl. Which of your two teams is that? I'm going to go with Green Bay. I also think it's Green Bay. All right, correct. It is Green Bay, but can you tell me which Super Bowl and who the player is? No to both. You said start? Oh, boy. Yep. I want to go with one of our first Super Bowls. Uh, I want to go with Super Bowl one. I can't tell you who, though. All right. Wrong. It's actually your most recent Super Bowl. Ah, dang. Super Bowl 45 against Pittsburgh. Offensive line, Brian Balaga. Or Balaga. Oh, how could I have forgotten such a household name? Right? He's 21 years old. Made his start in that Super Bowl. That's crazy. Ready for the next one? Yep. All right. This team currently holds the NFL record for the most consecutive games without scoring a safety. I'm going to yes. score. Yeah, without scoring a safety. Mm. You say Tampa? Mm-hmm. Justin? I'm trying to, I, 
I guess, yeah, Tampa, but yeah, I think Tampa. No, no, I disagree. All right. I think it's the Packers because the Packers have been around longer. Okay, well. And our defense, our, our whole team was kind of bad for a long time. It is Tampa, actually. Dang it. Uh, from the minute you guys were incepted into the league all the way until 1988, that's 191 games that you went without scoring a safety. It's a lot of games. Yeah, I don't even know what the second place is for that record, but I would imagine you guys probably have that well in hand. <laughs> All Thank right. goodness. All right, here's another Super Bowl one. This team currently holds the NFL record for the most fair catches in a single Super Bowl. I'm going to go with Green Bay because they've just played in more Super Bowls. I think the, the odds are for them there, but. I'm going to go with the Dark Horse and go with Tampa. It is Tampa again. What? Yeah, in your Super Bowl with Oakland, Super Bowl 37, Tampa Bay had four fair catches, which is apparently a Super Bowl record. What? Yep. I wanted you to learn something tonight, and I feel like you just did. Three for three, baby. That's <laughs> All right. such an easy record to break, I feel like. you. But think about it, though. Like, the fair catches don't – they're not counting touchbacks. So – Oh, that's fair, I guess. Yeah. I, Okay, so last one, and then we'll move on to talking about your actual game this week. This team is currently tied for the NFL record with the fewest points scored in a shutout victory. It was a 2-0 final score. Uh, based on statistics here, I'm going to go with Green Bay. Considering everything else except the first one's been Tampa, I feel like it should be Green Bay. You know, I almost threw a curveball and went with another Tampa one, but it is Green Bay. In 1932, do you know who the Packers were playing in that game? Going to go with our uh, – Is it a team that still exists? Yes. I'm going to go with our storied rivals, the Bears. Justin? The Bears honestly makes sense. It is the Bears. It is the Bears. All right, that was uh, that was Battle of the Bays. Now let's talk about this year's edition of the Battle of the Bays – I, if this turns into a debate, I will be your moderator. Justin, you have the floor to start. Well, oh boy, this game makes me nervous. So right now, let me collect my thoughts here for a moment. Are you still reeling from that Bears loss? Uh, oh man, I don't want to talk about that Bears game. That was, I got to watch the last quarter of that where the wheels just fell off. That was sad. So right now... We're four games into the season. Uh, things are starting to click. Things are, you know, we're figuring things out. One cool thing I, or not cool necessarily, but interesting thing I saw is uh, Bruce Arians was asked about Tom Brady cussing out his teammates. I think it was specifically his O-line because they were folding like a wet paper bag against Chicago. And Arians was asked about what he thought about Brady cussing out the teammates. And he's like, well, it saves me from having to go cuss him out. Um, so I do think it's good that Arians and Brady are kind of on the same, the same track as far as like where they want the team to be going. And, you know, they expect the best from their players, which is, I think a very good trait, but anyway, things are still not quite clicked with everybody. Brady's and Evans have finally started, I think, to find that, that rhythm. Um, it definitely wasn't there over the first game and it's been growing more and more each game. But still, you know, it's it's 
it's still only his fifth great game with the team. So it's, it's hard to say how it'll go. Our defense, honestly, right now is what worries me the most right now. We took a big loss with Vita Vea, uh, getting injured. He's now on IR and that, that really hurts our front. I think he is someone that, uh, ever since he's gotten onto the team, he's just been balling out. He is an awesome piece to our defense. And one of my favorite Buccaneers moments of the last few years was when he got put in at tight end last year and caught a touchdown pass against uh, New Orleans. But he's out. Um, fortunately, we do have Chris Godwin back on offense. So, you know, he he kind of is our, you know, helps our wide receiver tandem get things done because if there's both him and Evans on the field, well, it takes coverage away from one of them. I don't know. It's 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 a game that really makes me nervous. I think it should be a good game, but honestly, looking at it going in, Rodgers has been playing amazing football. He's obviously, like we said on the podcast before, he's in pissed off Aaron Rodgers mode. And right now, my prediction, I've talked with Jared about it. I see the Packers going, winning the Super Bowl. Aaron Rodgers retiring with that ring and giving the Packers the bird and saying, could have had me for longer. Too yeah. Uh, sorry to cut you off. Just real quick talking about when we were talking about Super Bowl stuff. Um, I kind of said it from the beginning of this season. My Super Bowl pick this year was Green Bay versus Baltimore. And when yeah. I first made that pick, I was a little more sketched out on my Green Bay pick. And now I'm, every week it feels like I'm feeling more and more solid about green Bay and uh, maybe it's Baltimore and the AFC that I'm not so sure about anymore, but yeah, green Bay looks like they're on the fast yeah. track to the super bowl. And I think that this upcoming game between your guys' teams is going to be one of the better coached games, maybe of the year, because you've got two outstanding head coaches in Bruce Arians and Matt LaFleur. And Zach, I will let that serve as a segue for you because I know how much you love what Matt LaFleur has done for your team. Yeah. Um, before I really go into the game itself, let me let me gush about Matt LaFleur a little bit. His first 20 games, uh, he just hit that with, uh, with week four. And he now has the best start, the best 20-game start of any coach in all all of professional football history with 17 and three in the regular season. And if you count postseason 18 and four, it is still the best starting record. Interestingly enough, uh, he did have a little bit of a playing career. Uh, he ended up actually playing arena football in Billings, Montana for the uh, Billings outlaws. Shout so, out to Billings. Yeah. Uh, makes me feel a little bit more uh, like he's a, uh, he kind of brings a little bit of Montana touch. I'd like to hope to the Packers. And then the other fun fact um, was that when he was the Atlanta quarterback coach and the LA Rams offensive coordinator, the years that he was that uh, in both of those positions, it was the years immediately prior to when they made those Super Bowl appearances. So it, it almost seems with that kind of uh, lining up of Super Bowl appearances that he kind of set them up for success, but maybe because he wasn't there that they just couldn't close the deal. 
And then personally, uh, the biggest plus that I've seen for coaches in the league lately, especially with Matt LaFleur, is that he's able to be the contemporary with his players, especially key players like Aaron Rodgers with the Packers. Um, He did have a little bit of playing experience, um, even though arena football may not be as glorious as the NFL, playing is still playing. He is practically the same age as Aaron Rodgers. Um, He's a little bit older, but because they can see themselves on equal footing, a lot of the times I think that respect there really helps. Um, It's also the biggest plus I see with uh, coaches like uh, Mike uh, Rabel as well with the Titans because he was also – he's a – he was – he played O lineman or D lineman. Uh, one of the, I can't remember on which side of the ball, but he actually played for the Chiefs in the 2010 playoffs. I know uh, he was on that team, and they played. They lost to Baltimore on Wild Card Weekend, but I know he played in that game. And when I found that out during last year's playoffs, uh, I was really surprised that he was that young and that he was that fresh out of his playing days. I honestly mm-hmm. didn't know that about him. I think though that's ten years ago. It is. It is. Yeah. It. It doesn't. It both does and doesn't feel like that. But yeah, I. Uh, I I'm assuming Zach. It's safe to say that you like Matt Lafleur a lot better than McCarthy. Yeah, McCarthy. He he started out with Green Bay pretty strongly. Um, I do appreciate him for leading us to a Super Bowl victory, but. After that, I feel like he just got a little bit too stagnant with his coaching style and a little bit too comfortable with Aaron Rodgers' talent. And he just tried to ride that to more victories. And we saw that when Rodgers got injured, Nelson got injured, McCarthy just couldn't keep the team together. He wasn't willing to adapt to anything. And that just led to stagnation in the team. And he just didn't understand how to adapt under pressure. Yeah. And I mean, you've hear so much, or you did hear so much about the debate on like, who was the problem quote unquote in the relationship between McCarthy and Aaron Rodgers, And now that they're in different places and McCarthy's with Dallas, I think it's pretty clear to see where the problem was uh, based <laughs> on how the trajectory of those two's careers are going at the moment. And that's not to say, uh, I love Aaron Rodgers as a quarterback, but I mean, he can have a bit of an ego about him, but sometimes that ego, when these, when these great players such as Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers have an ego about them on the field, it's earned. I mean, it, it's clear. I mean, just looking at the numbers, they're both celebrated quarterbacks that have insane stats behind them to back it up. Yeah, and I'm glad you brought up both Rodgers and Brady because that's going to be the matchup we see this weekend, obviously. Um, Justin, back to you um, with the quarterbacks. How do you see just just specifically this QB matchup shaking out between Brady and Rodgers? Um, I think as if Rodgers keeps up what he's been doing, it's going to be up to Brady to match his intensity, honestly. I think Brady needs to make sure he woke up feeling dangerous and he needs to play like he did when we played against 
uh, your your boy Justin Herbert and the Chargers. Oh, the Chargers, yeah. You know, because Brady threw some great passes that game, and like I've said before, you you know anyone that says his arm is is done for is clearly wrong. He's still got juice in the tank. Uh, it just depends if he wakes up and he is, you know, in prime Brady form or if he's in everybody questioning Brady form because, yeah. you know, I, I attribute a lot of that this year to just, you know, figuring out the, the new team, the new style and all that. Cause he's been with Belichick and the Patriots for so long. I, I want to address this now because I'm sure, and I don't want to hear it from you guys later on. I, I'm, I'm almost positive. There's going to be some sort of interception from Tom Brady this game. I want to remind you now that Bruce Arians offense is a very aggressive passing offense, statistically a lot of interceptions. And it's not just, ho oh, oh, look, Brady threw pick. He bad. He they're, not, they're not Jameis interceptions. Yes. I agree with that. Um, I'm but, actually, oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, ultimately, um, the fact that I feel like I have to question, question where Brady's is going to be at, I, I think Rodgers is going to show up and probably have a better day than Brady does. But we'll see. Yeah, you don't know. Um, I kind of tend to agree with that line of thinking that I think Rodgers might outduel in this one. But to me, I think the game is really going to be won and lost on how Tampa's defense can handle the Packers' offense, which right now is putting up historic numbers in the first month-plus of the season. Uh, they've looked really unstoppable, even without guys like Devontae Adams. So that's scary. But I know that Tampa has like one of the league's best linebacking cores too. So hopefully that means you guys yeah. stymie up Aaron Jones a little bit because that guy's been a monster. And I we, know what's that? Oh, I was going to say we do have statistically one of the best run defenses, although that, like I was saying earlier, that is going to be affected by the fact that Vita Vea is out. That's true. And, uh, Zach, I know you want to talk about Jones because he's been having a great start to the 2020 season so far. I do. The great second Aaron of the Green Bay Packers, Aaron Jones. Um, he is one of my favorite players in recent history. Um, that title was with Jordy Nelson previously before his retirement. And he definitely didn't play for another team in 2018. He retired as a Packer. <laughs> um, but Aaron Jones and, and Devonte Adams, I, I see as the core of Rogers weapons out there on the field. Um, unfortunately not being able to have Adams right now is, is a little bit of a downturn for us, but still having Aaron Jones out there, it's it's refreshing. We used to not run the ball at all. It was almost all reliance on Aaron Rodgers being able to throw those bombs that he's known for, especially when he had Jordy Nelson and Randall Cobb out there where he was just throwing 60-yard bombs um, and then his historically longest to Jordy Nelson on 93 yards. It's not happening right now, but we're not hurt for it. Um, Aaron Jones has picked up that mantle of being a great offensive weapon. He'll sometimes pick up some nice short passes as well and 
just he can just break through any defense really uh almost like how we saw Derek Henry uh kind of tear through every defense in the uh playoffs last year for the Titans honestly yeah I see I see those two men um as probably the best two running backs in the league right now and Aaron Jones I I just think I think he's gonna be a key player but I think uh, I think the two pl- other players to watch out there, um, we definitely saw it in week four, uh, Robert Tanyan at tight end. Oh, yeah. I, I think he he's going to be something that you guys will have to watch out for. He He's a big guy. He can't be stopped that easily. And Rodgers really liked him uh, against the Saints. And he, he picked up how many touchdowns? two or three yeah, three against the falcons on monday oh, night falcons a yeah weeks ago yeah he was uh lightning i know we all scrambled for him on the fantasy waiver wires to get him and someone else in our league got him and i'm a little miffed about it still <laughs> he wasn't even doing horribly before that just that's the game that made him stand out and then uh jamal williams is he's the other running back that we have that i think uh, this is his second year with the team. I think he's going to be another player to watch out for. Um, and he he's a more versatile running back in my eyes than Aaron Jones. Uh, he's picked up a lot more of those uh, eight, nine-yard passes, those nice uh, short plays. And he doesn't get as much uh, love, but I, I think he's going to be important as well. I think he's going to ha- be having some more big plays here pretty soon. And I think it's going to be a combination of those three players. That's uh, really going to be the key into our victory over Tampa Bay. I think it's going to be a really good game. I mean, Aaron Rodgers is definitely informed to win this year, but I, I think it's going to come down to one possession. It might even come down to a field goal. Honestly, I, Oh, I think don't it's say that things close. will come down to a field goal. We don't have good history with field goals. <laughs> uh, true. But one thing that Tampa does have going for them, if anything, is the fact that it's not in Green Bay because the Packers, as a Seahawks fan, I know this, are hard to beat in Green Bay. Uh, we haven't done it since the 90s, so... <laughs> Uh, you don't you don't have to go up to Lambeau. Not that it would be super cold this time of year yet, and without the fans, it is different. But I, I don't know. I I think it's good that Tampa Bay's at home. I think that bodes a little better for the Bucks. Lambeau is hollowed ground for the Packers, and we we love that home ground advantage. Some people call it home field advantage, but. No, for Green Bay, they're so storied. It's ground. It's ground. It's in the bedrock there. <laughs> Some say Lambeau Field wasn't even created by man. It was naturally formed. <laughs> uh, no, I'm excited for your guys' game. It's going to definitely – Yeah, it should be good. I've, I didn't talk about, like, specific players and how they're doing this season. Zach really went more in depth. I want to say Ronald Jones has been doing really good at running back for the Buccaneers. Uh, he – is someone that's really young and we picked up here. Is that last year or the year before we drafted him? Uh, that and our other pickup this in this past draft, Keyshawn Vaughn. He has not gotten the ball too many times, but he's been a good receiving back. I think he's honestly kind of taken um, most of the 
receiving running back roles away from Sean McCoy even. And he's also shown that he can really protect the passer in the pocket. Um, so both of our running backs too have made uh, really, I shouldn't say both our running backs because we have quite a few, including Leonard Fournette. But like, I guess our homegrown uh, running backs, the ones that we've picked ourselves have both been making great strides. And I don't feel the need to talk about our receivers because they're their yeah. records speak for themselves. Yeah, uh, for sure. And um, if you guys don't have a whole lot more to say about this game and specifically, the next thing I'd like all three of us to do is just talk about kind of where in general our teams are at right now, what you see for the rest of the season, just kind of, I guess, a check-in uh, now that we're all a little more than a quarter way through the season, I guess, just talk about what things look like for the 2020 versions of your team. Who wants to go first? Jared, you haven't gotten to talk about the Seahawks yet. How about you go first? Okay. Um, I'm very quickly going to need somebody for Christmas to buy me a defibrillator because watching Seahawks games this year has been unexperienced to say the least. And (laughs) Sunday night against Minnesota was probably one of the worst I remember in a while in terms of how close it was and the magic that Russ had to pull out and DK Metcalf for us to get a win. Um, you know, it all, it started with our defense to make that great stop on fourth and inches uh, for the Vikings. And Justin, I, you, you, we kind of talked about it the other day off the air. You told me that you thought that honestly, you didn't feel like Seattle deserved to win that game. And at first I agreed with you. And then when I thought about it more, I kind of disagree because the Vikings couldn't get at like a couple inches on fourth down and that's all they needed it to win. And I granted, we did not play great. I'll give you that, but. Well, yeah. And that's when I said that comment, that's more what I meant. I'm the Vikings have their own sins to atone for in that game. They, it was a game that I really I it was a game of such momentum swings like I've never seen momentum swings before that rapidly and that fierce uh you know Seattle had zero points at halftime which I believe was only the sixth time in Russell's career that the Seahawks had failed to score any points by half um and then we go on in the third quarter and score three touchdowns in the time span of like a minute 30 and then it looks like we're gonna blow them out and then we again go cold can't do anything and they take the lead it was just one of those games. And um, I think that at the end, you can, uh, at the end of a game like that with Seattle winning, you can attribute some of it to luck and a lot of it to Russell Wilson. Well, yeah, Russell Wilson, who I think still should be the MVP so far based on what's happened. Uh, I think you can attribute a lot of it to Pete Carroll's coaching too, though. The fact that he has the guys always believing That's something he preaches. Something he's always said since he came in in 2010 was um, it's a chant he does after many games like that, including Sunday nights, uh, talks about how you can't win in the game in in the first quarter, the second quarter, or the third quarter, you win the game in the fourth quarter. And that's something you really see with the Seahawks. um, And I think it was no better displayed than on Sunday night. But outside of the Vikings game and just in general, the Seahawks are five and zero for the first time in franchise history, but it also feels like we could easily be one and four or zero and five. Like the games have been that close. Yeah. 
and it swung on a lot of, you know, like I said, luck on some things. So I'm, I'm, I'm super happy to be five and zero, especially going into a bye week like we are this week. I hope that gives us enough time to get guys like Jamal Adams back because uh, we need him back because coming out of the bye week, we go play Arizona on the road in a stadium that's, I believe, cursed for us. <laughs> we all know what happened in the Super Bowl in 2014, but outside of that, in 2017, if uh, our listeners remember, or if you guys remember, on Thursday night football, the Seahawks were playing the Cardinals and Richard Sherman uh, tore his Achilles and in that game and then never played another snap for us again, it turned out. And then not even a year later, uh, Earl Thomas had his leg injury and then did his infamous flipping the bird to Pete Carroll in the front office. And he never played for us again. All that happened on that Arizona turf. And so I always get a little nervous going down there to play. I also just get nervous to play the Cardinals because they are a team that it doesn't seem to matter how they're doing or how we're doing. They always play us tough. They always seem to beat us once. Um, They actually usually seem to beat us in Seattle. So we might win in week seven, but what I wanted to say about Seattle's remaining schedule going into the season, some of the games I was most worried about within the division were the 49ers and the Cardinals actually, and seeing how things have gone that switched for me. I'm not as worried about the 49ers now because they just got romped by the dolphins the other day. Um, I mean, I still think that they're going to play us tougher than they did Miami. That's just how division games work, but I'm really more worried about our games with the Rams now because the Rams have kind of, I don't want to say surprised me because I knew they had this talent, but the fact that they're four and one. um, And I honestly, when we did our NFL predictions episode, pegged them to finish last in the division. I don't think that's Mm going to happen now. Yeah. They seem to have really recovered from that, uh, that Super Bowl hangover. Yeah. Yeah. They're two years removed from that now. So they, uh, they seem to be on the other side of it. Like you said, I'm worried about playing them both times and the other team, I, it, my opinion on it didn't change a whole lot on Tuesday night, but the bills, I'm still worried to play them, even though the Titans just smacked them. And yes, the Titans just got some unexpected time off, but they were also doing that without a lot of their starters. So that, that surprised me a little bit, but I think Buffalo is still a very good team. I think they're a contender in the AFC. We play them on the road. I'm worried about that game. I actually had that game pegged as a loss ever since I saw it on the schedule way back in April when it came out. So I'm worried about the Rams. I'm worried about Buffalo. I have a healthy concern for Arizona is what I would say. Although they've dropped some games they really shouldn't have. And uh, the 49ers, they're just, I think they're so beat up right now. They're like a hollow shell of their Super Bowl selves from a year ago. Yeah. And it all happened in like one week too for that. But yeah. So I don't know. I see the Seahawks, honestly, if we were leading the division right now, I either see us or the Rams winning it probably. I think both us, the Rams, and probably even the Cardinals are going to go to the playoffs. Uh, I, as far as like a final record goes, I can see the Seahawks team finishing around 12 and four is about what I would peg us at. Mm-hmm. I, mean, um, I just hope that we can win a game by more than uh, possession. Like that's all I really want is to have like a nine or a 10 point victory. Even I'm not asking for much here. I just need 
I my heart can't take it anymore. <laughs> well, and and what I see too, and I think I've voiced this before, but I don't feel like what the Seahawks right now are doing is sustainable. They are putting so much of the pressure of winning these games on Russell Wilson's back. Yeah. What he had he's had to throw an exorbitant amount of touchdowns just to stay in most of these games. Cause what he had what five and uh, he had five, five in the against, one he had five against Dallas. He had four against um Atlanta, I know. And he, I think he had four against um I can't remember who he played in week. Oh, against New England. Yeah, on another very close Sunday night game. Yeah. With and how many of those games have been close calls, Jared? All of them. All of them. Um, and here's the thing, like I tweeted it out. I think it was after the Dallas game. I said I, I said it a little bit tongue in cheek. I said Russell Wilson might throw seventy touchdowns this year, and I'm afraid he might have to. Like that's yeah, like exactly what you're saying. We can't sustain this, especially when we start playing teams like the Rams or the Bills. That's not going to be the formula to get it done. Our defense needs to sure it up a little bit. We did just sign uh, Snacks Harrison for the defensive line big boy who used to play for Detroit. So I'm excited about that. Hopefully that bolsters the pass rush a little bit. And I hope that when Jamal Adams comes back, the secondary picks it up a little bit too, because we are getting torched on the back end. Yeah. And we don't look good back there. Ken Norton is doing an awful job with the defense right now. And things are going to need to change for sure. And yeah. I hope that this bye week gives us a chance to change the things we need to change. Yeah. But you know, what I've seen too is I just I'm I'm worried about Russell Wilson's health because at the rate he has to scramble and avoid, I it just it seems like a ticking time bomb until someone finally catches him or you know he makes a bad cut and gets yeah, you know, leveled and believe me, you're preaching to the choir here. Yeah, it's, something, it's something that concerns me. It's been something that's concerned me for five years now, honestly. Like, I keep almost holding my breath, waiting for it to happen, and it never seems to. But the And the fact that he has started every game of his career now in this his ninth season is unbelievable, especially with the style of football he's forced to play in Seattle. Um, yeah, I totally agree with you. It's something that scares me week in and week out. And if that day ever comes, God forbid, no, I'm not trying to be mean to Geno Smith, who's our backup, but we're screwed. If Russ is out, we're done mm-hmm. dead in the water. So yeah, a hundred percent agree with you. That's about where I stand on the Seahawks right now, though. Um, again, we are only five games into our season, but that's kind of what I've taken away from it right now. And with that, I will pass it off to one of you guys to rant and rave about one of your teams. Go ahead, Zach. All right. Um, so I guess I do have a little bit of a point to make about uh, the Packers right now and I guess how Aaron Rodgers is playing. Kind of uh, to mirror what Jared was saying about uh, Russell Wilson uh, with the Seahawks, uh, we've honestly been changing how we've been playing uh, quite a bit since Matt LaFleur took over. Um, and I kind of mentioned it before. A lot of stuff has been going to Aaron Jones and the loss of the wide receivers with uh, Randall Cobb and Jordy Nelson, where we saw a lot of 70-plus uh, yards um, bombs just being dropped every year by Rodgers. Uh, that's just not happening anymore. Um, and I don't think it's a bad thing. 
uh, a lot of it was a lot of how Mike McCarthy coached was based on just these Hail Marys. The receivers um, with Cobb and Nelson back four years ago, they were averaging 12 to 15 yards per reception per game. And now, now those receptions are capping at about 12 yards max. Rodgers himself is only averaging about eight yards a, a reception. Um, and like I said, I don't think that's a bad thing. Um, and he used to be responsible for 30, 40 touchdowns in a season with a lot of those deep passes. But he's dropping in the last couple of years to mid to low 20s. And we're having a winning record. It's not hurting us at all. And a lot of people joked about it earlier in the year when we drafted a quarterback this year and everybody joked, oh, they're they're drafting Rogers replacement. But Rogers might be ready to retire soon. And I think these players with uh Jamal Williams, Robert Tanyan, Devontae Adams, and Aaron Jones. They're going to be healthy, young weapons for a while for a backup to take over if uh, if Rodgers ever does get injured. And I think just shifting that kind of uh, mindset is, is what's really helping us right now, just not putting everything on Rodgers, even though Rodgers is more than happy to kind of take that brunt. I guess now I'll talk about just overall how I think the rest of our season's going to go. I know you guys have gone over uh, how you think the season's going to go overall. So talking about it from a Packers perspective, uh, like I said, Tampa Bay, I personally, I think is going to be our closest game of the season, except for Tennessee. I think, I think the Titans are going to give us the, just the most trouble. Um, It is, at Green Bay, so I think that's going to be a huge plus. But I I think it's going to come down to a last-minute touchdown that we're going to have to get against them. I think the Titans are going to be a force to be reckoned with again. The games I'm definitely not going to be worried about. Houston, they've shown that they're definitely really faltering this year. Philadelphia and Detroit, I'm not worried about either especially the Eagles. Um, I think they're pretty laughable this season. I think that whole division is, uh, yeah, it's in a bad way. Sorry to cut you off. Just talking about the NFC East real quick. I heard someone ask, I don't even remember where it was the other day. Someone said, do you, do you think the Cowboys or the Eagles are going to be a playoff team this year, one or the other? And whoever they were asking that said, yeah, well, one of them is going to have to be. For all our division games, I'm I'm not worried about for any of them except for our last game of the season, which is at Chicago. I think that's going to be the only time the Bears are actually going to play us tough. I think in Green Bay, we're going to beat them by at least a 15-point lead. But I think once we go to Chicago and play them in Soldier Field, uh, I think they're going to be playing for a playoff spot by that point. They're going to be a lot more in it to win it at that point in the season than we are. 
because we're going to be able to beat a lot more of the teams pretty handedly. The, I think the biggest mysteries for me is uh, San Francisco. Uh, we did not have a good time with them last year in the regular season or the postseason. Losing to them, uh, for them to go to the Super Bowl, then it it was definitely hard to watch. And that was another time where people were making fun of Aaron Rodgers and saying that this might be it and maybe he's washed up. But I think just how he started the season, I think he might be out for revenge for the San Francisco game. And I mean, like you've said before, San Francisco, they're not the same team this year. They're beat up. Um, I think, I think we're going to win. It's a hopeful win. And then the other one that I'm kind of questioning, cause I can never quite peg them down because they've seemed to be playing pretty tough this year is, uh, the Colts. Yeah. So real quick, I have a fun fact about the Colts Packers series. You could call it, um, there's three teams that the Colts have never lost to in Indianapolis and the Packers are one of them. Yeah. So just based on that, that's got me a little bit more scared. I, I think we can win. That's, I think Indianapolis losing uh, Andrew Luck, that's, that's hurt them uh, for quarterback. He was one of my favorite players with the Colts, but who knows? Uh, anything can happen. Other than that, like I said, I think I think Tennessee is and Tampa Bay are going to be our best games of the season. They're definitely going to give us a run for our money. I think we're gonna probably, hopefully, run the table. I I hope we can go sixteen and zero, but I think uh, realistically, it's going to be a fourteen and two season. Yeah, that's fair. I would I would have you guys pegged around 14 and 2, maybe 13 and 3. Justin, what about you? So one thing I like the way Zach talked about things he thought were going to be, you know, not as tough games early on and now that we're into the season. I have the same thing where I'm looking at some of these games that we have coming up and I'm like, "Hmm, I thought this was going to be easier." Um that first one for me is game 7 against the Raiders for us. I'm kind of scared for that game yeah yeah especially i mean let's talk about the raiders win this last week that's yeah the raiders have been playing i think i'd call it scrappy football yeah i think that's that's an accurate descriptor yeah we talked about it the other day justin actually how we both kind of think the raiders have a feel of a team that uh, they're not going to win the AFC West, I don't think, with the Chiefs there. But they're going to get into the playoffs, and they're not going to be a team that anyone wants to play. Yeah, I think, honestly, they're going to get into the playoffs. They might be giant killers. Derek Carr is playing some really good football. I think Gruden's hit his groove as coach there, and it's kind of getting back to it. Someone was like, Zach, it might have been you, though. I was like, yeah, he's finally getting that 2002 football going again. <laughs> yeah. Um, But, man... Uh, Henry Ruggs is, you know, had a kind of a slower start, but he he's showing to be a pretty darn good player. Um, and their tight end that they picked up, Darren Waller. Um, yeah, yeah, Darren Waller. Thank you. Um, he's been freaking balling out. Mm-hmm. Like what he did against the Saints should be criminal. <laughs> but yeah, the, they show that they're contenders this year, and so if they keep this up, it's gonna be a scary matchup. Again, like 
you kind of talked about the Rams has kind of moved up to be more of a scary game. And where I thought we were going to have a pretty good schedule for this year, it's it's going to be tough on us. I mean, we've got, you know, we already had the Saints, but we've got the Rams, we've got the Chiefs, we got the Packers and the Vikings as well. So our our season might not go as well as I'd originally hoped. It's it's a tough schedule. Um it and we're going to have to play some really solid football over the next 12 weeks to stay competitive and hopefully get a playoff berth in January. Yeah. And here's a little wild thing. I saw about your division the other night. Uh, it's a three-way tie for first right now between you, the saints and of all teams, the Panthers. I've been really surprised at how well the Panthers have been doing without Christian McCaffrey. I don't think the Panthers will stay competitive and should they somehow get a spot in the playoffs? I think they get knocked out immediately. Yeah. I, I agree with that. Honestly, I, I think we have a good team. It just needs to click, if that makes sense. Yeah. We, you know, Tom Brady is a proven quarterback. Leonard Fournette's been, you know, he hasn't been our every down back Ronald Jones has been, but Ronald Jones is averaging 4.9 yards per carry. He's had a touchdown this season, which isn't super impressive, but Tampa Bay has been a team that, over the past few years, we've been perennially hurting for a running back. And now we have kind of a running back committee and Ronald Jones is, you know, putting himself out there that he is a, you know, he's, he's developing into a good running back that coupled with Leonard Fournette is awesome. We, we seem to kind of be a wide receiver factory in some regards. We've got Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, uh, Scotty Miller has been playing quite well the, pick up and step in for Chris Godwin while he's been out and on defense. I mean, uh, like all our guys on defense have just been, I think kind of quietly improving And the Buccaneers says our run defense was awesome last year, statistically the best in the league. And then I think our secondary kind of is gets slept on a little bit. Um, and our linebackers are just doing awesome things as well. Levante David is amazing. And I've said before, I kind of credit Jason Pierre-Paul coupled with Bruce Arians to shift the mindset of that secondary and our defense to be better. And Bruce Arians cutting players whose names I'm not going to mention because, you know, we we cut the proverbial cancer from the locker room and our defense has since then been constantly improving and playing better. Uh, and then, of course kind of the star right now is Carlton Davis at cornerback uh, draft pick in 2018. So it's his third year now. Um, but like I said, it's all, we have a bunch of good pieces. It's just making sure that they're all fitting together really nicely. Cause that's kind of been our, our perennial hangup over the past couple of years. Last year, it was primarily Jameis Winston and his turnovers that killed us. Um, and it's kind of been that for the last couple of years. The year before that, we had our kind of little our quarterback controversy with Jameis Winston and Ryan Fitzpatrick. Um, and the year before that, Jameis Winston got hurt. And it's it just seems like it's always something. And every time we have a bright spot, something snuffs it out. And so right now, I feel like the team is poised to be in a really good spot. I'm just worried that something's going to come in and, you know, Sweep the leg, Daniel Stone. Yeah, 
So if I were to ask you right now, point blank, what, where in the ballpark do you see your final record coming out to be? Man, I could see us. I think we're anywhere from a, you know, as good as like a 13, three team or so to a 10 and six team, you know, anywhere in that range, I think, and hopefully nothing worse than that. And we get a playoff berth. That's fair. That's about what I would uh, put you guys at too. In the little time remaining, Justin, do you want to do your segment again? Upset. Yeah, so let's talk about upset games and upsetting games. Zach, as the guest, I would love for you to share your upset and upsetting game of the week. Oh, boy. Um, I'd say upsetting? I would honestly probably have to say, for me personally, the Bills-Titans game. I was really hoping for the Bills to play the Titans uh, a lot better. Um, I really like Josh Allen at quarterback. He's one of my favorite quarterbacks to watch in recent years. And they were just starting off the season so well. I just thought it was going to be a much better game. That, and it also makes me a little bit more scared for the Tennessee game down the line, um, just because of how well they did. The upset, uh, I, I honestly have to go with the Dolphins game against the 49ers. Um, I mean, Dolphins have often been the butt of the joke for a lot of different teams. Um, and just how dominant of a lead that they had over the 49ers at the end of the game, uh, 43 to 17 is is impressive, uh, even though, I mean, with the 49ers as beat up as they are um, and coming off that Super Bowl hangover, it's it's still good for the Dolphins, I think. I loved every second. I soaked it all in. It was beautiful. <laughs> Jared, what about you? What's your upsetting game of the week? Uh, upsetting <laughs> Dallas game because for obvious reasons – uh, for Dallas fans, yes, the Cowboys won. They beat the Giants with a last-second field goal. That doesn't matter. Seeing if what happened in the game, my heart goes out to Dak Prescott. Um, just the things he's been through in the last couple years, even you know before he came into the league, he lost his mom to cancer while he was in college. And then it was this last year he lost a brother to suicide, and he opened up not that long ago recently about mental health and uh, his struggles with that. And then to have this happen, it's just, I feel so bad for the guy. And I'm sure you guys can agree with this, but that shot of him being carted off the field in Dallas on Sunday with tears in his eyes, it was just gutting to watch. Yeah. And I've been very vocal about not being a big Cowboys fan. That doesn't even begin to matter right now. Uh, I just feel for him and I hope he can make a, full recovery and come back stronger than ever. And, uh, you know, on the flip side of that, good on Andy Dalton for when he came in, he did what he was supposed to do and he led the Cowboys to that win. But the upsetting game has to go to that and to Dallas fans, because I don't know what to tell you about your season now uh, with the Cowboys after that it's, and again, that's all secondary stuff in light of an injury of that magnitude yeah and then for my upset game i have to give it to the raiders beating the chiefs yeah Uh, i read something crazy where they hadn't beat kansas city in kansas city for almost like 20 years i don't know if that's true or not but i i heard that somewhere 
uh, I could totally believe it. And it, they just, they dominated. Like I know they won, I mean, to drop 40 points on Kansas city is impressive. And we kind of touched on it earlier, Darren Waller, Ruggs, uh, Derek Carr is playing really well right now. I was impressed. And I think that anyone who beats the Chiefs kind of deserves some recognition. And so that's where I'm giving my upset game. Yeah. Um, I'm going to just say the same thing on the upset game because that is my upset game. I mean, I low-key have been – ever since the uh, – Raiders came and beat the Panthers. I've been low key watching and following them this season because I'm like, what are they gonna do next? Especially when they beat the Saints, I was like, oh wow, this they could actually be serious about being good this year. I am excited to kind of see where they go. I wonder if they are in fact going to be back in black now that they're in Las Vegas. Maybe that was just the swing they needed. But I'm gonna I'm gonna echo you, Jared, on the upsetting game. I wanted to pick the Bucks Bears game, but ultimately, it it is upsetting to see a player who is in their in their youth and their prime so have an injury like that. And yeah, there's when I saw him getting carted off the field, that that was just such a gut wrenching and emotional thing to watch because you could see, you know, and and God bless Dak, he was still trying to like give the thumbs up, pump a fist for the fans. But the emotion on his face is just it breaks it, your heart. He's yeah, and it's so hard. He's he is in so much pain. He doesn't know what the injury is. You can tell he's he he he's feeling, you know, what is this? Is it the end of my career? Is it the end of my season? And I just it, it breaks your heart to see that. Well, yeah, regardless of how much you dislike a team, it's it's hard for the most part to dislike any player and there I I have no reason and I can't think of any real reason why anyone would dislike Dak I haven't seen him do anything repensable yeah well and you bring up a good point where you know he doesn't know Cowboys fans don't know right now what this means for his future I mean he was playing on the franchise tag this year Um, there's no guarantee for him about next year and where he's going to be and I've already heard speculation from some people and it's way too early for that still but they think that this could have been his last game as a Cowboy. And I wouldn't be shocked by that just because we've seen it before where a guy gets injured and that's it for them with a certain team. Mm -hmm. Um, Real quick on the flip side of that whole thing, I want to give a shout out to Alex Smith though. The fact that he came into that game for Washington after everything he's been through on his road to recovery, almost losing his life, almost losing his leg. uh, The fact that he's even you know, participating in athletic activities again, let alone coming into an NFL game is just unbelievable. I don't know if you guys saw that, but uh, his, his wife and kids were in the stands watching. Uh, yeah. Gave him a standing ovation. You know, the look on her face kind of said it all just kind of disbelief. Uh, really cool, really cool scene in Washington. And uh, you got to, I mean, I don't know what's going to happen the rest of the season, but I feel like your front runner for comeback player of the year has to be Alex Smith now. Yeah. Uh, did you guys see when uh, uh, Aaron Darnold jumped on uh, oh. his back? Uh, took a piggyback ride and scared everybody yeah. watching. Yeah. I yeah. I, <laughs> I saw that. a clip from him on the sideline. He's like, that man's leg strong. Yeah. Yeah. He, uh, he didn't look any worse for the wear after that. But yeah, that was kind of a scary thing to watch. Um, but yeah, kudos to Alex Smith thinking about Dak Prescott. Well, I think we're 
about out of time here. I think uh, we are. Any quick final shout outs we want to give? We didn't really give shout outs at the beginning this time. Justin? Um, nope, none for me right now. Zach? Uh, not that I can think of off the top of my head. All right, I have one, and it's in baseball. Shout out to the heroes America needed, the Tampa Bay Rays. You took out the Yankees, and you're so close to taking out the Astros. You are beating all the evil empires on your way to the World Series, and I am 100% behind the Rays bandwagon right now. I love it. Rays, if you take out the Astros, I will buy a Rays something. Hat, <laughs> something. I don't know. Um, but you will be the hero we need. Yeah, they're up 3-0 in their American League Championship Series to Houston right now. By the time you guys are listening, the Rays will have either swept the Astros, which is what we want, or it will be 3-1. But either way, it looks like the Rays are going to move on to the World Series, their second one ever in franchise history, first since 2008. Congratulations to the Rays. That's my only shout-out. All right. Well, Zach, let me be the first to say again, thank you for being on tonight. Is there anything that you would like to plug or talk about before we close up? Um, well, I do have a website where I write about, uh, movies and TV shows as amateur or tour.org. Um, eventually, uh, these two guys are supposed to take my sponsorship money. So, uh, you guys would be hearing this name a lot more, um, but they have not yet. All um, right. Shots fired at us. That is on us. We need to get that done. <laughs> um, but I write about movies and TV there. Um, and they're just nice, brief little essays. Um, I've interviewed Jared for a piece so far, and wow. Justin will be interviewed in the near future. I I hope it's good. Um, it's good. I, <laughs> I promise it's good. And not just because I participated in one. It is good stuff. Uh, Zach's a huge film movie really anything media buff and he really dives into uh really dissects the things he watches he looks at it with a critical eye that i think a lot of people don't have so if you're even remotely into movies and tv and stuff like that i would highly recommend it from an outsider's perspective but uh it's been a pleasure to be on uh i always love talking about the packers um i mean as jared introduced me uh he kind of made light of something i always say they are a storied franchise. I love that history behind them. Green Bay holds a special place in my heart, and uh, I love talking about it. Thank you guys for having me on. Yeah, anytime, man. That's why we had you on. Yeah, you with, the, on. with the big Bucks packers game this weekend, we we wanted the two brothers to, to talk and duke it out over the mics, I guess you could say. But, uh, yeah, thank you all for listening, uh, tuning in to another episode of the Expansion Buddies podcast. I think we're on episode 12 now. I've honestly lost count. But you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts. We publish every Thursday, every Thursday morning. We just really appreciate you guys listening. And, again, whoever is our New Zealand listener who keeps coming back, please reach out to us. We want to know who you are. Yeah, reach out to us, and we'll – Finally make some shirts and we will send you one. <laughs> uh, I guess you have that promise right there. Yeah, reach out to us on Twitter. You can find us on Twitter at the expansion BU1. Give us a follow. We're posting all the time. And we want to hear from our worldwide listeners in New Zealand and Australia. I actually, I Jared, I do have one shout out. 
So for those of you that don't know, Jared edits this podcast every week. And I want to shout out you, Jared, because you do oh, a great job. Well, thank you. I try. Um, you know, it, it's getting easier every week. You know, we're not stumbling as much. We're it, It's actually easier now than it was a couple months ago. So, but yeah, thank you, Justin. I appreciate that. But anyway, that is all the time we have today. Thank you again, Zach, for being on. And always remember, party like it's 1976.